In Genesis 18, God had a unique conversation with Abraham concerning judgment on Sodom. Genesis 18, 22 begins saying, so the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood still before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked. So the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of the earth do what is just? The Lord said, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for the sake. And then Abraham continued to go all the way down the line and peeling off five at a time. He went to 45 and then 30, then 25 and then 20, all the way down to 10 people. And he answered for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. But the question before us is, is this the way that God judges nations? And is this how God is looking at the United States of America right now? Is America under the judgment of God? Well, to consider this, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. Hello, anybody home? I'm Think McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual, this podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Thank you for joining us today for the Stop and Think About It podcast. I'm Phil, the Bronx Expositor, with co-host Glenroy, the West Indian wordsmith. How are we doing, Glenroy? Doing pretty well. Thanks Thanks for asking. Amen. And co-host Nick, a.k.a. the Puerto Rican Puritan. How are you doing over there, Nick, in your crib? What's up? So without further ado, let's dive into our topic today. Is America under God's judgment? Nick? What is the judgment of God? Let's get some definitions before we dive into things. God's punishment on lawbreakers. That's punishment on lawbreakers. All right. Glenroy, what say you? I would just say the, the, the righteous act action for people being unlawful for, for, for the sin that we committed. Okay. Um, looked up. Uh, so... I would say uh, personally for me that it is God looking upon a nation, seeing that it is just so depraved, it seems at the point of no return and God has extended his hand of grace, but for so long and God has said enough. And so instead of extending his hand of grace, he extends his hand of judgment upon them and brings uh, dire divine punishment upon them at oh, whatever okay. level. 
Okay, you meant you meant judgment on the nation, not judgment in general. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I would say I would agree with you, and just say in terms of, you know, saying as a nation as a whole that we are committing sin, and and God then is righteously judging us for our collected action. Okay. So, uh, Dr. Piper uh, made a couple, couple observations. He said, uh, God's ha God hands over the impenitent, impenitent to hardening in this life. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think of uh, Pharaoh when that happened, when he continued to uh, have his heart hardened, which the scripture says he, he hardened his heart. And then it says the Lord hardened his heart. Um. God punishes nations in history, both Israel and others. The final divine tribunal of all people at the end of history. And then he said the death of Jesus was God's final punitive judgment on all who believe in Christ. And then finally, individuals are sometimes judged in this life. But for Christians, all judgment is disciplinary, not destructive. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Your thoughts on any of those? Uh, first thing I, I would like to say is I, I definitely agree with the first part where it says God's hand is over the, the impediment and hardening their life. And I think one of the arguments we hear from people is, well, nothing's happening. Nothing bad's happening. So God must be okay with this. If God really had a problem, he would do this. God, if you have a problem with what I'm going to do, correct me and stop me. And I think it's very important to understand that like, if, if there's a parent and he's like, well, I'm going to go out to party all night. And the parent's like, no problem. Come back when you feel like it. Is that love? You know what I mean? And so they may look, oh, my parent is so cool. He's a great parent when it's the opposite. A parent who cares about you is the one that's going to hold you back from danger. But when there's a point of judgment, God's way of dealing with sometimes is to just let the danger come. Well, we're not going to stop you from some of the destructive things you want to do. Uh, a second thing is going to be the idea that it's that it's it's a disciplinary thing for the Christian in his life. Because I think one of the arguments we're going to hear soon is, well, well, why if I'm a faithful Christian, why am I caught up in this this judgment on the entire nation? I think we're going to deal with that a little bit later, but it is this thing where it's it, we definitely still get a little bit of the judgment, but it's a disciplinary thing. It's the corrective where one is able to just go and do whatever they want with no um, with no consequence. It seems, while we are definitely going to feel more of the guilt and the the the, the angst for doing something that's against God's will. Yeah, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's not going to bring his, his bride to a place of condemnation, mm -hmm. but he certainly does discipline his bride, and uh, she'd be needing some discipline sometimes. Nick, what say you, brother? I don't have nothing much to say. <laughs> okay. All right. You're, you're, you're saving it. Now, what about when we think about not just God's judgment, but God's wrath? Because these, uh, they're not exactly the same, but they do work in tandem to one another. Um, how would you describe the wrath of God? Oh, I thought Nick had this one. Um, uh, I, I would just, I just think it's, it's, it's God acting on the judgment, acting. He's, he's making a judgment. He's found the nation or the group of people guilty and it's it's his way of, of 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 punishment and i think at the end of the day we have to remember that god is a, a judge and he's a just judge and judges meet out justice and they don't just talk about it and 
it's not a philosophical thing, but is actual thing. I like I, I like to go back to being a parent again. If I say I'm undisciplined my child, and I set all these rules, but I never ever discipline him, it, it's it, it, it's 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 it, it's it's meaningless. So the the wrath is is actually God taking action or actually doing something in relationship to His judgment on us. So so God is not. Um our divine creator who's all bark and no bite yeah he's, he's definitely not absent it's not an absentee father not absentee father and so um god's wrath uh, is to be heated up uh, to to burn with fury like in numbers 25 3 it's the flaring of the nostrils which you would see like in a bull before it's about to charge and he certainly had it against idolatry and he even had burning anger against Israel when they worship the golden calf. They just came out of um, a time of oppression and boom. Now, now it seems almost within moments they're worshiping uh, a golden calf and calling it Yahweh. And so this also, also forgot to be bitter um, toward ungodly nations, Zechariah one fifteen, And, um, as far as righteousness, uh, sinners uh, being in the divine furnace of uh, God's God's anger. But the one thing with God's wrath is that it's never like an exploding volcano out of control. God's wrath, he's always in control of his wrath. So, so man may lose his cool and we may act in anger. And But when God acts in anger... He's always in control of his anger. His anger is always on the train tracks of all his other attributes because it's a holy wrath. It's not like the anger of man. Um, and in some of the types of wrath are, of course, eternal wrath. And those in Christ will never experience such things. Uh, eschatological wrath, which happens at the end of time. And we have cataclysmic wrath um, where you have tornadoes and hurricanes and things like that and we also have consequential so like sowing and reaping abiding wrath um which would be in romans one and and also in romans one the wrath of abandonment mm -hmm. so I, I like what glenn was was i believe getting at before there can be something going on and you might not even realize it like did pharaoh know he was hardening his own heart and that God was hardening his heart to boot. Uh, did he know what was kind of taking place in him spiritually? In, in the same way that somebody's, I guess somebody's arteries physically can be growing harder on the inside, but they not know that until maybe it's too late. So sometimes we don't see like kind of under the covers um, beneath such things. Now, now what, what about some of the nations or, judging the world that God has done uh, through in the scriptures, um, such as the Noetic flood, which kind of wrath do you think that would be? I, I mean, you can, you can argue that it's a cataclysmic wrath, right? There was a, a flood that took over the whole earth and it, 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 it really it killed all life on earth, except for, except for the, what was on the ark. So, I mean, definitely make a case for that. Um, what say you, Nick? Yeah, I would agree. It's cataclysmic. How about Sodom and Gomorrah? 
I definitely think that's consequential. I mean, okay. And I think that's gonna if we're gonna do a comparison today, it's gonna be a, a lot of comparison to them. Where in terms of, you know, so, that's where we get the word sodomy from. Where this the the homosexual, you know, men being with men, women with being women, very sexually itself. And and I think God, I think the conversation you described in the Bible in the beginning of this was this idea that there was none righteous there, that that it was, it's not even it, that. That God said, even if there were ten, I would find, you know, I would, I would do something. But in a city, a, a, and a lot of people don't know this, but it was a, a, a very big city at the time. It was a major city in the, in the area that, that they were, that they couldn't find ten people. So it was definitely a consequence of this sin upon sin upon sin upon sin, in which God kind of let them be committed. And then when He finally sent the judgment, there was nothing they could do about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in the Noetic flood, there was eight saved, and how many were saved in Sodom and Gomorrah? I think it was like three, wasn't it? It was. Well, there was what Lot and his two daughters, his, th his three daughters, or oh, three daughters. Their, I'm sorry, their sons didn't make their uh, their husbands or their soon to be husbands didn't make it. And the, and the wife looked back. They almost made it, not quite. Yeah. And yes. uh, so I'm I'm coming up with four. Yeah. So we went from eight. <laughs> From eight to four. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we, we had Egypt as well. Um, consequential again. They just kept ignoring the uh, the words of Moses time and time again. Let my people go or I will. And then the plagues kept coming down. Yeah. You know, you could also call it abiding. Right. Right. 400 years of slavery. 400 years of them persecuting uh, the the the. Uh, the Jewish people and the Jewish people crying out to the Lord for, for, for 400 years until he, he said, all right, enough is enough. So it's, I think, I think it's also, it's a combination. Like we try to categorize things and sometimes it could be more than one, multiple uh, different things happening at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now Rome, very unique. Um, Rome is no more in the sense of the Roman Empire, at least. We, we still have Rome, and obviously it's so idolatrous uh, with her, uh, the Vatican and, and all of that, and uh, Roman Catholicism as far as theologically. Um, but Rome persecuted Christians to, like, no end. Um, threw them in the, uh, not the lion's den, uh, threw them in the Colosseum, had animals ripped them to shreds gladiators uh i'm sorry no that wasn't at the same time not the gladiators right that was um afterwards but uh you also had the intense persecution where they put christians on stakes and i believe nero lit his uh, garden up with the christians i think they put tar on them or something flammable and you know uh light them up and uh, just as an aside, Nero was such a flaming homosexual. He had one woman he called his husband. I'm sorry. He had one man he called his husband and another man he called his wife. And so homosexuality was very rampant among the, the Greco-Roman Empire. But, um, I mean, it, it, it wasn't built in a day, but it came down in a day. <laughs> um. Any any thoughts there on the Roman persecution? Uh, and I mean, I, I, I think I think I think if you want to do a one to one comparison, it 
very similar to America. We are the most powerful country in the world. Um, could You can make the argument from our founding that we are highly favored of God in terms of resources, time. I mean, just just, just the World War One, World War Two, just our vicinity, our technological advancements. There's so many things that um, favored us. And, mm. you know, a lot of people, even secular people, are seeing this decline, very similar to the Roman Empire in terms of, you know, going over to homosexuality, the destruction of the family, you know, fighting all these different wars, stretching ourselves so thin. And then it just slowly gets eroded. And although, like you said, the Roman Empire continues to today, the judgment that we see may not just be that America becomes stop becoming the United States. We will maybe still have the name, but you lose all the power, you lose all the prestige, and you become a shell of yourself. Mm. And, you know, Rome, that's what happened to Rome. It just slowly became, it was this great landmass that the world's never seen to become Constantinople, <laughs> to then becoming nothing, you know, and just yeah. kind of being swallowed up. And that's more likely what's going to happen here unless Christ comes, comes early. Mm. So would we say that that in the beginning when they came over from England and founded a new a, a new nation, a new country, that would we say that that God was blessing because of one of the reasons that many fled England was because of persecution and because they wanted to worship God freely? Um, were we under the blessing of God with all the the things that you aforementioned? I see. I, I, I'm conflicted to say that because the implication sometimes is that we were somehow good at that time when we're we've always been a sinful nation. But I do believe that there was this favor that we had with God. Um, like you said, many of the pilgrims. One of the main things they came well, the pilgrims generally, but everyone else was re- religious persecution, and uh, a lot of the people that came here was a second chance. It was like a rede- redemption because most of the English people that came was that they were the second and third sons with no prospect of gaining anything in America. And they were able to come here and get land and, and kind of grow. And a lot of them were prisoners who were, hey, they were like, hey, do you want to die or do you want to stay in prison or you want to go over to the colonies and, and work there for a while? I, You know, if you go through the history of America, it was up until maybe 30 years ago, you couldn't be an American president without being a Christian without being somewhat, even if it's showy, devout. And now it just, it no longer matters. Up to 40 years ago, you know, 40, 50 years ago with Kennedy, it was, before that, it was like unheard of for you not to be a Christian of some level going to church. And then it became nothing. And then it would be, it would, it would have been, it would became a, it was a big scandal if you really weren't going to church. Now it's like, I don't know what the, what the president, it doesn't really matter. It matters to a small sect, but everyone doesn't really care. Obama was, he went to church, but he was devoutly, you can say, atheistic, and no one cared. Um, also, the founding documents had a lot of Christian things. One of the arguments people make, and we can debate that, is that the, the Constitution and a lot of the, the American doctrines holds a lot of the principles of the Bible, whether, whether it was conscious or unconscious. Uh, one example, and I'll stop there, is the fact that on Sunday everything shuts down, that's a Christian concept. Uh, the fact that when you do your, you have a, a debt after seven years is supposed to get wiped off. That is from the Bible. Now they found one of the things that shows condemnation is that what they've done is they sell it to a debt collector and it never goes off. 
But back in the day, it would come off after seven years. And that is from the Bible straight out of it. And so as we we get away from the Bible, I think some of the protection and some of the favors away, whether that's a blessing, however you want to determine that, it's definitely clear that we're losing some of that in terms of the favor and blessings, in economic as well as this physical protection. You know, attack on the 9-11, it was unheard of for America to to face some of the things the rest of the world was facing. And now we're just like another country with terrorism just being a daily thing that we're experiencing. Mm. Mm. Nick, any words for us, brother? No, I'm just taking this in. Okay. <laughs> so um, do you think that America is presently under judgment and if so what kind of judgment and why would you scripturally say that i i, I mean I, I cannot with a straight face not say that we're not under the wrath of abandonment you can yeah. argue about other things but the wrath of abandonment is very very clear um and we can discuss some of the reasons why but i just like gay marriage <laughs> gender issues um the destruction of the family, uh, all these different things kind of add up to to the fact that God is kind of removing his hand from us. Because I think up to 100 years ago, some of these things couldn't fly, even from the hardenest atheists, even from the most hardcore secularists. It was just like, ah, this is unheard of. Now it's like, it's as if God said, no, you know what? Do what you want to do. And I think for some people, that's not wrath. That's great. You know, we're free and we're uninhibited. And I was thinking about Psalms, uh, um, Psalms 2, when it says that the, the rules of the world came together to go against God as anointed. And in, But it's talking about kissing the sun at the end, but they don't see it as judgment, just the same way as Pharaoh didn't see it as judgment. Because in his mind, he was, be, he was, he had all the gods, he was super powerful and there was no way for the Egypt, for the Jew, Jewish people to go against him. And so the hardening of his heart was also the, building up this pride in himself that, so what? You have the, he, he wasn't even arguing that there was not a God of the, of the Jews. It was that the God of the Jews was not as powerful as his gods. So it was just this hubris that was built up in him. That is clear in the way that people in America talk, act, and behave. Yeah, well, but at least with Pharaoh it would have looked as if their gods were attacking them because every plague represented one of the gods that they served in some way from the Nile to the flies, uh, et cetera, to the death of the firstborn. Um, but he just kept hardening and hardening and hardening. And we know in Romans one, God says he, he raised Pharaoh up for that purpose. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, he, he shows mercy on whom he shows mercy and he hardens those who he hardens and uh perhaps at this time uh there are many in our country who are hardening uh to the gospel of grace i i think a great example is the 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 pandemic we were told this is we have the best medicine we can solve any issue there's nothing that can stop us this comes in and they were all baffled we were, and what did they? What is their solution? We need to be even more open. We didn't. We didn't. We, we did. Remember, they had to shut everything down. Remember, the whole push is unification. All countries are open, no borders. Then, when this happened, they shut everything down. And you couldn't even leave your house. 
And now they're back to, hey, one of the reasons why this didn't work is that we didn't communicate fast enough. We weren't more open than we were before. And it's like, how does that make sense? Your solution is to shut us down. And now you're back to this. No borders. Everyone come. No stopping. Everything is open. And this idea that as a human race, we can solve and do anything. And there's nothing that can stop us. When God, not to say that he's, he did it in, in, in maybe in a wrathful way, but with this very simple virus, which is just a cold, over a mutated cold, we were shut down. Mm. And we can argue about whether it was it was to the death or not, but it was a very serious thing where a lot of people were sick. And if we're so technologically advanced, why can't we solve the common cold? You know what I mean? Why, why can't we stop something as simple as that? But we have the hubris to say, we figured this out. When we can make the argument that it's just our natural uh, thing that God gave in us that's overcome this disease and now we've adapted to it. It's not the, the vaccines and it's not all the isolation that happened, but just the fact that our bodies adapted because it's the way God has designed us to be. And it's not through our brilliance and the fact that we're so smart and we're so, we don't need God. It's just that it's actually a, an act of God that's protecting us. We're always trying to uh, build a, a Tower of Babel and saying that you know, we can reach the heavens and we don't need God um, with our technology and things like that. And of course, some of the technology is very good. Of course. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, sometimes when we use and, and, and develop new technology, uh, we think we're all that and our prideful chest goes out and, you know, we don't need God because we have this technology. Hmm. But uh, I even when... the um, the Egyptians were chasing down the Israelites. The wheels were falling off of their carts. So it's not like God can't come and interrupt our technology anytime he so chooses, because obviously that was their technology at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, are we under judgment? Yeah, we're under judgment. I mean, All right. What kind? God is pulling away. And he's allowing men to live out, um, to live out their sins, to live out their sinful passions and desires, um, storing up wrath until the day of wrath. You know, it's um, it's interesting because they were reading through Judges and and um, you notice that gradually throughout the times where God judges the nations for for walking away judges Israel for walking away, you know, turning from him, um, the years get increased. So like mm. the first mm. time of oppression is eight years. The second time becomes 18. And then the second one lasts, I think 20, you know, so like, it's a sense like, you know, the judgment is only going to increase. Um, the time of punishment is going to increase. And, and, and even like revelation speaks about, you know, um, some of the judgment that that God rains down on the world, you know, and I think I think it speaks about killing up to like a third of the people, mm. you know, and then it says, but they still would not repent. You know, they, they still would not turn. Now, Nick, I have a question for you. Do you think I know, going through judges and I, I when you said it, it kind of hit me. I wanted that, to ask a judge's question too. But oh, ahead. right yeah. after me, right after me. Yes. So, 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 do you think? Do you think as he, as it as God began to increase the time of judgment, 
that people started to think it wasn't God. And it was just like, that's how life is because 18 years, that's sometimes an entire person's lifetime and they get used to it. And it's like, we're, we're as human beings able to get used to like really bad treatment and think it's normal. I think, I think one of the things that we're discussing, that we're kind of reading through it through family worship. And one of the things we're discussing is kind of like the, the importance of, of passing down, uh, you know, Christian values and Christ, you know, and passing your Christianity on. Um, and, and one of the things that wasn't being done, at least not, not to a large enough degree was that, that, mm. you know, that, that the, the true worship of God, that the true values, you know, um, was not being passed on to the point where they became forgetful. Right. And mm. God, and God says, you know, he, he, he left the other nations among them so that, so that they could learn, you know, so that their hands can learn to do war, something to that effect. So they had to learn, you know, to depend on God, you know, and and it's like, I just get that sense where there's a responsibility that falls upon the church to, um, to disciple, right? And and when you think about like Christians, where where should we start out first and foremost, and that that should be at home. You know, we talk about like the legacy. I think you you were talking about it at uh, some other point, uh, Jonathan Edwards, right? And the legacy that he left. You know, that's that's something that Christians should really live live for and live towards. You know, so I mean, I don't know if I answered your question. Perfect, but, perfect. You know, now Nick, there's a repeating phrase I think in the Book of Judges about every man doing what's right in his own eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of think that that seems uh, a character of our nation. We just yeah. doing what's right in our own eyes. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot at home. I say, you know, like I say, I don't understand because, because I guess people don't talk about it a lot because people like, you know, try to stay away from the, you know, America's like the new Israel or sort of deal, like, because everybody thinks that, you know, America's like this, you know, I guess they would look at it as some type of Israel, like an Old Testament type. I disagree with Hill, that. Shining Hill in the city. Yeah, but, you know, we could definitely, you know, God has blessed this nation. I think the, you know, I think it's still being blessed in the sense that the church still gets to serve here freely. Mm. Um, I think that, that the more that that's taken away, and uh, I think judgment will probably increase upon the nation itself. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of lost the train my train of thought. That's right. No. <laughs> well, yeah. So the aspect of the judges it reminds me, and I think we all mentioned it. Um, Romans one, which reads at verse eighteen, for the wrath of God is revealed. Then that's a present tense mm-hmm. from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be made known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So there were at excuse. Then in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools 
and exchange the glory of God. I'm sorry, the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lust of their hearts to impunity to the dishonoring of the bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creator rather, I'm sorry, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And then it continues to go on and it describes the, oh, yeah. um, the judgment and the, well, the wrath that, that is upon them, uh, the abiding wrath. On the mm -hmm. wrath of abandonment, because when it says God gave them up, I'm I'm done with you, yeah. and 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 just to boot, um, what Nick was saying before, um, many people don't know because they don't know this book even exists. But the book of Nahum, which I preached through, uh, that is a book concerning the judgment of Nineveh, which 100 to 150 years prior to the book of Nahum repented. And then after that generation, the repented generation died off, their children went back to wickedness. And I believe even worse off and God, there is no Nineveh today, just like there is no Sodom mm -hmm. and Gomorrah today. So God does do it to nations. But yeah, here, that's what I was going to say, like, uh, you know, that, it's, you, you can almost kind of see the pattern at, at what God does to nations and Israel, you know, kind of made the mistake of thinking it couldn't happen to them. And I think that's the mentality that a lot of Americans have, like, oh, it can't happen to us. And then, you know, you, you, you get you get today these 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 prophets out here you, they, they, or they think that they're prophets and they say, you know, no, nah, America's the safest it's ever been. Prophelying. You know, and this and that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got Christians who, who you know, pre professing Christians who, who say that. You got politicians who say it. But we, we, we see in scripture that, you know, it, I, I heard this. I heard this great lines. If you want to make God laugh, tell, tell him what you're planning on doing, you know, because, um, <laughs> you know, it, it just, you know, you can't put your own words and, and, and make it, you know, scripture. You know, when you look at the scripture, you see that when a nation turns from God, that nation suffers a, a, a judgment. You know, there's no nation that's exempt. Israel was not exempt. Not they, at all. They broke the covenant and they suffer for it. You know, and I think that we're just going the same route and God is following, you know, his same his same MO and, you know, if if things don't change, I think it's just going to get worse. Mm. Now, I, I want to piggyback on two things you said. If things don't change, it will get worse. And also your description about the fact that we um, don't are not passing down Christian values. And I think you mentioned that as well, Phil. It just reminds me of Nehemiah and Ezra where when, when because they were taken away, <laughs> another judgment of God where Israel was taken away given over to the, the to, to the neighboring countries and then god graciously says okay puts it in the heart of nehemiah and ezra to go back and rebuild the temple and the kingdom of jerusalem and when the people hear the word of the lord some of them for the first time because they weren't hearing it when they were taken away they started crying tears because now they understood what the judgment was for and what god requires of them and i think it's just interesting that 
one of the things that you are you all are doing is evangelizing and breaching the laws is that there is a possibility to turn this around if they can just hear the word of the Lord. Not to say that you know forcing people to pray and forcing people to read the Bible is the way, but but bringing it to their attention it can change it. The wrath of God can be either quickened like in Nineveh at the end, or it can be turned back like in Nineveh um, in the time of Noah. But, I mean, you know, not Noah. God, I said uh, God. God has to grant. I mean, the nation has to repent. God has to grant that grant that repentance. But know? it's definitely possible. Yeah, no, definitely. It's just that we we you know, like the Bible teaches um he called he, he called Israel while they were in exile to pray for the nation they were in for the for the sake of their peace. Mm. Right? Mm. For the sake of uh, you know, of the of them, of the people. So like praying for the peace of your nation you know, praying that 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 the nation will turn around f for the better. That's that's our duty as a church, mm -hmm. but it's also our duty to get out there and and to preach the gospel. I mean, think about like, I mean, the greatest motivation to go out and fight against abortion is the fact that it's an offense against God. A lot of people skip that, right? But another motivation behind it is that, you know, God is going to judge the nation. I mean, 65 million babies is not going to go, you know, unchecked by God. The murder of 65 million babies is not going to go unchecked. I mean, mm -hmm. if that's not a, a motivation for you to cry out, you know, against abortion in, in, in whatever place you're able to do so, you know, in whatever setting you're able to do so. I mean, I don't know what else is outside it's of it's a great offense to God. Yeah, John Piper said there's a remarkable sequence of sins in Leviticus 18, 20 to 25. That sounds very much like the progress of iniquity in the modern Western world. And, and Moses writes about that concerning these iniquities of the nations, which I'm driving up before you, have become unclean and the land became unclean so that I will punish its iniquity and the land vomited out its inhabitants. And then he lists the sins. The first is adultery. Um, in verse uh, Leviticus 18:20, the second one is child sacrifice, which Nick just mentioned concerning not giving your children to Molech, and so profane, profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord, and so there comes in Nick's greatest motivation. It's an offense against God, and here he specifically says that uh, in Leviticus 18:21. Then he goes in verse 22 to homosexuality. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And then he goes to bestiality. And you shall not lie with any animal. And so make yourself unclean with it. It is perversion in verse 23. And so, I mean, he's coming in like a shotgun. Boom, 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 boom. Or like a machine gun. Just over and over. And so in the West, it seems we've moved to the point of open approval of adultery, uh, assassination of children, homosexuality. Will the open approval of bestiality be next? I mean, probably. Isn't it, isn't it wild that, like, the thing that, you know, God judges nations over, which is, like, the promotion and, and the putting forth of sexual immorality, isn't it wild that, that that's, like, the very thing that people say, you know, you know, I'm not hurting nobody by this. You know, like, is it, like, it's just taken so lightly by the world you know, and and it and it's not taken lightly at all by God. I mean, 
he's judged nations over this, over sexual right. perversions, over the murdering of children. Like, and yet, you know, we take it so lightly, you know. Right. And so when somebody says I'm not hurting anybody, you know, say, let me just show you, let me just show you Romans 118 right off the bat. <laughs> you know, you're just heaping up the wrath of God ab above your head. So uh, first of all, you're hurting yourself <laughs> because you want to sin and think that you could sin solo. You could sin without a ripple effect. Uh, no one sins alone. I've heard it said it always affects others. Even when Aiken tried to hide his sin under, you know, in the camp where we get the term, their sin in the camp, um, it affected the whole nation. I mean, they, they lost a war over it, or at least a battle over it. Um, and so, I mean, there was a, a, a woman, um, the Huffington Post reported a woman finding her boyfriend's phone pictures of him having sex with her dog. I mean, so, I mean, this, even that, even bestiality is happening. So uh, it seems like we're just kind of going right down the line. Of course, there's a lot of pedophilia going on and so on and so forth. And like you said, this is not going unchecked by God. Uh, he's not good with this and he's not turning a blind eye to it um, in, in any way, shape or form. And so as we, as we think about this, what do you think about, federal headship in the sense um what is it and how did it begin sinfully to affect our entire world nick you're going on federal headship right i ain't good on anything brother but i took a crack <laughs> at it <laughs> well adam adam is our first federal head and if you're not a christian he's still your federal head and Adam was created to be a blessing and to spread the image of God throughout the whole world. And Adam willfully sinned against God, though it was Eve who first ate the apple and passed it to Adam. Um, Adam, as our federal head, was was the one who willfully did it, um, as Eve was tricked, and um, he knew he knew better and did otherwise. And because of that, as 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 Adam fell, so did we fall in him. Mm. Um, and and then, so, go yeah, ahead, I'm sorry. No, so I, I wanted to throw this over to Glenroy. What about as far as federal headship um, in our nation, in the sense of if if the president is if the president declared war, then you would say that we are at war with such and such a nation. Um, is there a sense that because of the leadership politically that God would bring us un under his judgment? I mean, it, especially in a country like ours where we vote for our leaders and it's from a coalition and a consensus, um, um, as opposed to a country like maybe China or a country like North Korea where um, people don't really have a choice. I can I can see you making the case like, well, it's not the people of China's fault that, you know, they're under this regime. And a lot of them probably if they had a choice would be OK with that. But I think in our country, especially because of the fact that we vote and we choose and hmm. we have a lot of power over who is um, in authority over us. It, it's, it's very clear that uh, federal headship. Is, is, is a major component of, of what we do because we have decided that 
the president is our president and the party that's in control is our party. And we, by majority rule, affirm that what they're doing is a good thing for us. And we have the power every four years and every two years to kind of change that. So I think it's even more <laughs> an indictment on us when our leaders feel like it's okay to do the things that they're doing right now. And there's not a, so, an outrage. So, Glenn, like you think that, so the kind of leaders that God is allowing to be set up, mm. um, the fact that they are being a reflection of the morality, you know, like to me, I'm wondering, like, do you think that it's kind of going up, you know, and, and up the ladder? to, I guess, what we would call like our federal headship in terms of the country and the nation, you know, you think that that I, I think that that's more judgment falling upon us. But do you think that that's um, how do I say it? Like, yeah, like, do you that's worse? Do you think do you feel like that's worse now? Being yeah, like I, a leadership I, is kind of like projecting to the whole world. This this wickedness, right? They're calling, they're calling what's bad good, what's good bad. They're calling what's bitter sweet, and what's sweet bitter. Wait, before uh, Glenn, know. before Glenn answers, let me throw this quote in from John Calvin, and then you can comment on both of them at the same time. John Calvin said, "When God wants to judge a nation, He gives them wicked rulers." Glenn, go. Yeah, I was just gonna say that a part of the judgment is the rulers that we've been given. Um, God could and a blessing or a favor of God is to have good rulers. I would say Abraham Lincoln was a good ruler or a good president or a good leader. And he in a time he in a time of separation, when there were a lot of people saying, let's just, just hit hit the South with a hammer, he was like, No, 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 we have to reunify. Like it's more important for us to be a country than not. Or you can have a ruler like Hitler or you know, or 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 Stalin who didn't care about his people and it was death, 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 death. So that in itself is a judgment. And yes, the fact that we have inept leaders who are against God, that projects to the world and that makes us... One of the ways that God punished Israel was giving them a bad ruler and then making an outside country conquer them. Uh, remember the, we talked about the, the, these prophet liars, right? And it was peace, peace when there was no peace. You have a prophet of the Lord saying... Judgment is upon us, and they oh, you, everything's great. What are you talking? There, you don't need to repent. God, we're we're good with God. Then we have, and the ruler, they co-sign that, and then guess what? The army comes and takes them away, and everyone's like, "What's going on?" He told us his peace. There is no peace. So I think God is doing it in layers, and we can argue: Do we choose bad leaders, or is God allowing bad leaders to be above us? And it's a combination of both because we're feeding into that. So I would say your answer is yes. And on top of it, it's a punishment to have bad leaders. So that was the version of saying you agree with John Calvin. No, 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 no I, I would say I agree, agree me, with Nick. You agree with Nick? <laughs> <laughs> let, me talk, let me ask a question. And um, Calvin, yeah, of course, yeah. I don't know. But given like given like when 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 women leaders are raised up in scripture. Woo! It's not necessarily uh, a great thing. It's it's kind of a shame to the men. Right, uh, right, right. And just um, as... so, so women leaders here in this country, how would you kind of view that in terms of 
you know like wh- how would you how would you view all out crazy I, no I, I would say i would say it i would i would i would put it with also babes the, the bible talks about how children you're gonna have the children be the ones leading us and we are having yeah, children lead us and you're having in 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 terms of especially we think about the um the prophetess when you know god is in judge in judges right and he's given a judge and a judge and a judge and he he appoints a, a man as a judge in, in a certain respect and he can't do it and he said all right i'm gonna have this woman do it and you know he's like being pushed on by her it's 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 an embarrassment you know and 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 I, from a biblical standpoint from a the idea that man has a federal headship it is an embarrassment when we say well you know, we need a female leader. We need um, a female leader to do what we have been thing. It's 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 not a sign that we're growing and maturing and becoming uh, a more uh, apt society. It's actually a sign that men cannot do it, and they're stepping back and they're shrinking. And it's no longer um, we're no longer fulfilling what God has placed us to be. But I would say it's the same as having a child rule over us. And now when we have the thing that comes to mind is this idea of that a child at four years old is going to be able to tell me what his gender is. No, you, you, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have the formative years to decide those kind of things. And if, and if we have female leaders, not to say a woman can't be in charge of anything, but if we decided that, okay, the men are going to step back, women are going to lead. We, we, we've already lost this, the battle is what I'm saying. We're already going, we're so far away from God as what God has designed us to be that judgment is upon us. So I just feel like, go ahead, brother. So um, in, in, in that respect, yeah, we were referencing, of course, uh, Deborah, when many people point to that and say, look, you know, women could be leaders in the church. <laughs> they were under judgment. You cannot use it as a proof text yeah. to say that, that, that women are, are leaders in the church as far as eldership is concerned. Not, not only that, Pastor, right? But um, when, when, when Deborah's you know, when they're supposed to, um, when she's going to free the people, right? God, God tells her to, to get a guy. Yes. Yes. God, God sends. And, and then she says, you know, the Lord has picked you to, to go and free the Israelites. And then, you know, he sees, he sees the, the tall task that it is. And he says, uh, I'm not going unless you come with me. Can you come you with know? me? Can you hold my hand while I fight this battle? Yeah. It's like, I, some people are going to be offended by that. Oh, I can't. He says they can't. No, no. But I'm saying it's a yeah. judgment of God when that happens. Yeah. And she, she kind of shames him. She yeah. kind of shames him because then she yeah. says a, a, a yeah. woman is going to be the one who I think for, frees for, the children. Or, yeah, yeah. You know. it, 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 it's, a, it's a shame. Not because, well, look, we're not talking about aptitude or ability. We're talking about right. roles. And... Yes. If, if I'm sorry, I don't care how um, uh, how we mature and evolve as a society. If there's a battle coming on, and you, me, and 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 uh, Phil are like sitting there uh, playing cards while there's a fight outside, and we tell the wives to go fight for us, that is a problem. And if you don't see that as a problem, we, it, something is wrong with you, and it's not us. It it it, it doesn't make sense. And even the most hardened feminist is going to say. No, uh, he should have protected me. Yeah, because you believe in roles, and it's not an indictment. I, I think we have brilliant women, but it's not the role that God has set for us. And now I'm in trouble. That was it. I, I'm turning, I'm turning <laughs> I'm gonna the mic jump, off. I'm, I'm gonna jump in the. I'm gonna jump in the bandwagon with you then, because I've been way like I've seen it way too many times. You know, there's been times as an EMT that I've called for backup. You know, for unruly patients or whatever. 
and two females show up. So what do I say? I look Thanks at my partner and say, well, let's get ready to fight because <laughs> nothing going to happen. <laughs> you know? And I've seen like, you know, women get overpowered, you know, um, there's like videos out there, you know, that, that, that the woman, and it was a, it was a female part. It was a female, a male as partners and the male is getting attacked and she's not doing anything. She can't yeah. do anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I'm not trying to say that women can't be good cops, I guess, to a certain extent, but you know, do, is it really, you know, could it be, I say, could it be a shame to us that, that more men don't step up to that role as protectors? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I uh, was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago now with Matt Slick on this topic as well. And uh, his quote, uh, and, and I quote, um, many times men in the church are wussified. Is that, is that, is that can, can you say that in a sentence? Wussified? <laughs> oh, you just did, I guess. Okay, all right. Um, no, I agree. Agreed, agreed. And I, and I think men are stepping back. Yeah, yeah. Women are stepping forward. Mm-hmm. And, and I think some men are afraid to say what we just said. And I'm just like, I, I, let's have a conversation about it. I can definitely show you. And I, the most hardened egalitarian, the most hardened feminist, you're, get, you're calling a police officer. Are you hoping it's a man or a woman? You, they know the answer is they wanted to be a man because it might lead to a physical um, uh, altercation. And you want someone with girth and ability to defend you. You do not want to to wonder, and you don't want someone weaker than you and physically to come and try to help a situation that you're already yeah. in. It, it, it's just common sense, and I think to go back to where we were, it's an indi- the, the the leaders that we get are an indictment on the society itself. And one of the ways that we don't realize that we're in judgment is because we think, oh, it's so great, it's wonderful. Now we have children who are 15; they can be leaders. You know, like Greta Thunberg. I, well, she's like. She's on. I don't know what age she is, but she's young. Who that? Lecture some uh, some um, European girl that's lecturing the world about climate change. Oh, that it's little like, crazy chick. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> and everyone's we gotta listen to we gotta listen to Greta. What is Greta? What does she have a degree in in in, in weather? Like, why are we listening to a child? You know what I mean? It's cute, but it's not how we should decide our public policy. And you know things like that. You could take it however you want, but if you, but if you, we, 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 the numbers are in, and I, I'm a data guy. The numbers are in. Without two parent homes, you know, when children are in charge, we could see, we could see Roman Empire. When family becomes destroyed, it's facts. They can show you number after number after number after number. And I would even argue if a relationship has it where it's not in the gender roles that we've designed, it fails. It doesn't work that way. And the math shows it. And there's this book, this book is 66 books in, in, in a tome that says it over and over again, how it's supposed to be done. We can follow it or we can face the wrath of God. I know, and, and really like it's, it's scripture that, you know, it's scripture and biblical, you know, biblical principles that really awaken a man to understand and fulfill, you know, his, his lane, his office, you know, because like even when when I married, when I when I got married to my wife, my wife is like a very strong person, you know. If she won't wait for you, she'll take the lead. And like you said, Phil, you know, like men fall back, and I will fall back because I'll say, hey, you know, 
She got it. You're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. You don't need me. You know, I just yeah. I just played aside, you know. But that was so that was so sinful of me, you know. And and going through the scriptures and studying the scriptures and growing in the Lord really 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 opened me to that because not only not only was was it so sinful of me, but my wife wanted more from me. Mm. She wanted me to be the head of the house. And I was saying, well, you know, you seem like you could do it good enough. So I just step aside, you know, and it was and it was really scripture that awakened me to that God and his grace. You know, I, I, had, I had the same issue. And now when I look back to my son's mother, I said, well, I wasn't leading. So I, we can look, you look back, oh, she did this and she didn't. No, 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 no. You were not leading. Right. It, 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 and, and, and like once again, when we make these kind of statements, not to get off the topic, it's not an indictment against women. It's an indictment against men. <laughs> because mm-hmm. by design, if we are acting in the way that we're supposed to act, all these things don't happen. And it's like I said, it starts from the roles that we set, the passing down of biblical truths to generation to generation, and standing up. I think if the first man 150 years ago said, nope, don't believe in gay marriage. Nope, don't believe in it. And we just stood firm. It couldn't happen. But we just started stepping back and stepping back and stepping back. And, st- and now we're just like, well, what happened? I, I, the world's completely changed. And God is like, well, that's what I did. I stepped back. Every time you step back, I step back. Yeah, I was um, somehow I was looking for a quote for a Bible study. Uh, came to a screen. There was this pop up and said a church that's right for me. So I clicked. <laughs> <on it. laughs> and right there, here's can, can you see my screen? Yeah. Our pastors. Is that what you're saying? Are you, nice. Not pastor's wife. Well, look, it is. Look, oh. same last name. So oh, anyway, I wrote right. the office comes with the name. Okay, <laughs> okay. You know, okay. and so I write this whole email to the to, to the church. You know, uh, quoting you know all the verses that they would have to like jump over. Uh, <laughs> to, you mean you mean you mean you, you pick some Pauline verses? Yeah, some verses from Paul. Yeah, just just a couple. Because when because when you talk to them, Paul's not a, really a part of the Bible. They take him out. Right, right. Yeah, he does. He's in. A, he doesn't exist. Um, and so, uh, but yeah. So we have uh, political leadership, leadership in the church, leadership in the home. When you when men abrogate their responsibility in the home, I mean, it does not go well. Um, we have a whole generation of of young boys being raised by single moms because. Many, many times the guy just jumped ship. And so now this this woman is trying to teach the man how to be a young man. But there's a lacking that she has. She's not a man. <laughs> and the guy that yep. skipped out on her. Well, maybe he's not either, perhaps. Um, the world's case been by case to think it's a good thing. Yeah. That's, but if you but if you do the reverse and say, I'm going to teach my daughter how to be a daughter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. can do it. Yeah, we, we can't. We cannot you do teach it. Teach your kid to be a stay-at-home wife. Uh, 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 <laughs> you know, God forbid you say it's all right that she don't go to college. You know. I think we gotta cut. We gotta cut Nick Mike. Uh, we gotta cut Nick Mike. <laughs> I agree with you, but come on, brother. Come on. Don't say that. <laughs> I mean, yo, you gotta see the looks that I get when I, when I, you know, when I say it, make a comment that says maybe this person or that person is just not cut out for college. Yeah, and and and. And, and, and the, the amount of God-fearing people I hear talking about, well, I want my daughter. She has to do that. 
What are you talking about? You know in your heart of hearts that the best situation for her is not to enter corporate America and work for some person, and usually a man who doesn't care about her, rather than her working with her husband to grow a family. It's, it's, so you'd rather a strange man who has, doesn't care for her the way you care for her being in charge of her well-being rather than a man that does care for her being in charge of her well-being. That makes a lot of sense. And I know people who are they're good meaning, God fearing people talking about oh, you have to get an education. Yes, I agree on that. But don't you think family is more important if you believe what the Bible says? Yeah, because what kind of education are most of these institutions? They're just cesspools of liberal think tank and ungodly worldviews. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of education I want to push my family into. Sorry, no goody. Now, um, now, now, some someone might be listening to this and saying, "Well, this is it's all this is good. This is what are you talking about? This is not judgment. This is not God. Yes, it is. It is not good. What you, what's going on? And I know you might think, hey, this is a different podcast than what you signed up for. But no, this is the same. This is going really in depth into how our society is degrading." And to us, that is not a good sign of us growing and becoming more postmodern. It's a bad sign, and it's going to be the downfall of this nation, even if we continue to be called the United States. Because they call it evolving. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like de- but Evans, I think it's devolving. Like Chris it's Evans said, uh, exactly. Chris Evans, right? When he yeah. was being interviewed about people, you know, uh, crying out about the, 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 the kiss and the Buzz Lightyear movie or something like that. I'm mm. not sure what happened. He he, he called those people dinosaurs and, you know, basically we haven't evolved. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, really, you know, changing is good. (laughs) We're we're sexualizing our children, you know, left and right. And even I think it was at the Grammys, they were dancing around some kind of homosexual guy dressed up like a devil and worshiping him. And I mean, just blatant just blatant like trying to do something you know right in god's face and everybody thought it was wonderful and great even even, even not, 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 not that, everybody even uh-huh. worse than that was like the, you know you know what kills me i'm not going to talk about that but even worse than that about the grammys was that there was this song called there is this song called god god did i think and and it has like a it's like a compilation so there's mm. different rappers on it so they performed that song there, right? And and this guy, this guy Jay Z, right? He, um, he calls himself God basically in this. Jay Jehovah is what he calls. Himself. Yeah, he calls himself Jehovah, but in his verse, he's really like playing out like what he did, not what God did, but what he did, right? And then they got this depiction of the Lord's Supper table, and he's sitting in the middle of it, you know. And I'm like, this is like such blasphemy. And then you got a, 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 a choir who professes Christianity in the same show on the same stage, you know, getting awards. And then you wonder why the church is not respected. One, you know, the church is not looked at as a, as a standard of morality and holiness because you got people like that who water us down. Right. You know? So it's like, oh, yeah, the blasphemy is all right as long as, you know, but you you might not be doing it, but in a sense, you are taking part of it. You know, it's the same thing. 
right? That the, 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 the Israelites were allowing the world to, to, you know, they were mixing with the world. And, and, and as a result, you know, there was, there was immorality throughout, right? They started serving their gods. They started marrying their people, their people. And it just, you know, and it's the same thing. We're just messing with the world, you know, watering down the gospel, you know, and it's like, that's, that's where the church needs to stop and stand and not compromise. And if it means like, listen, I don't want your reward, you know, what, what would it look like? We said, we don't want your reward, you know, because we don't want to share the stage with, with, with people who are anti-Christ. Right. You know? Right. Or if the person stood up who is for Christ and they said, um, I received this reward, but there's all this wickedness going on over here. That's this ungodliness right <laughs> but uh you know then the person wouldn't be invited back and, and and that's okay yeah well, i don't want your reward i want a reward in heaven i don't i don't need this earthly reward here that's going to do nothing for me now in psalm twenty two twenty eight, it says kingship belongs to the lord and he rules over the nation so we, we can't forget that and it's deuteronomy 9 4 it says it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the lord is driving them out before you and so we see that God is clearly God over, over nations, and he's not stopped being the God over nations. But uh, for the most part, we're getting what we deserve. Now, he, he's not going to judge his church as, um, you know, with, with something other than, than discipline to draw his church back to himself. But mm -hmm. uh, as far as for the United States, let me throw this question. I think we kicked it out a little bit before. Is it too late for this country to repent, why or why not? Let's go with Glenn first. If Christ is coming wish? back in the next 20 minutes, then it's too late. And <laughs> considering it's our fervent, fervent wish that he comes back right now, I'm kind of voting on that. But um, if, 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 but I think we wouldn't be doing this podcast and we wouldn't be, uh, and I know you guys are doing the abortion ministry and the different ministries. We wouldn't be doing that if we didn't think that it would make a difference and that people will not be saved. And I, and I do believe that, you know, especially us being such a young country that I'm hoping we're in Nineveh one and not Nineveh two. And, um, if, if, if there's a revival, if there is and not the charismatic revival, but if there's a, a growing knowledge of God, that kind of builds from a wellspring from New York on, then yes, it can be turned around and anything is possible with God. But if we continue on the path we are, it, there is nothing we can do. And I remember, Glenn, I think when you came out to the Queen Center Mall with us to preach, you said something akin to the gospel is not only a gospel for those who were here, who will hear, who God has opened their ears, but it's also unto condemnation for those that will not hear. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it's a double-edged sword. Nick, what say you? Is it too late for this nation to repent? Why why not? I don't think it's too late for this nation to repent. Why? Um because God is merciful and God is gracious and God has a lot of people, still faithful people in in this nation. And um, if the church stands, you know, like uh, who was David's right hand man again? Um, the leader of his army. 
Was it Abimelech? I forget. I forget, but there's there's instances in in the Old Testament where they're like, you know, um, let's do this because perhaps the Lord, you know, will 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 change this nation, so such and so forth. Like I just I just believe that, you know, the church is not done. The church is still free out here, and um, I just have faith, you know, that 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 God will do a work, you know, and if not, then, you know. Glory to God anyway. Well, that's the language of what happened to uh, in Nineveh, um, where he says, let everyone turn from his evil way and the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent yeah. and right. turn from his fierce anger so that we might not perish. That's in uh, Jonah chapter three, uh, verse nine. When they saw, when God saw what they did, how they turned away from their evil, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. And so, I mean, God has all right in his righteousness to pour out his full wrath upon our nation for 65 million uh, children who experienced the bloodbath of assassination through abortion, homosexuality, bestiality. Um, and our sin continues to go on and our blasphemy against God, but um, I, I perhaps it seems that as long as there's breath uh, in the lungs that, that men could still repent of their sin, but what should the church be doing at this time? Calling the nation to repent, you know, Calling. not, 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 uh, not treating the church like a clubhouse. And, and, you know, we just kind of, we keep to ourselves and, you know, we get the few that come in and we just, you know, the church, the church is to be out in the public square, you know, we have to, we have to be, you know, the prophets crying out to, to, you know, crying out to, to a dead nation to wake up and to repent. Mm. Glenn, you know? what say you, what should the church be doing at this time? I agree with Nick. All right. Getting out into the highways and the byways and compelling the lost to come in. Amen. Nick, what will be your final word to our listeners concerning what we just discussed? Is America under the judgment of God? America is under the judgment of God, but there's also his grace. And as Christians, though the nation might be under his judgment, um, we are not. And so, you know, we, we should keep our eyes fixed on him and, and focus on living for him and spreading his kingdom here um, and doing what he calls us to do and to be of good cheer because, because in the end we're going to be with him, you know. Glenroy, final word from you. I would say that um, if you're in Christ, do not be alarmed. Um, continue to grow in personal faith. Uh, be passionate. You know, be evangelistic, um, and realize that there is a universal church that's separate from the visible church, and the universal church is not going to be frayed 
by any nation or any circumstance around us. So we're not going to be necessarily influenced by it. So if we grow as a, the, the universe, which is a sanctified church, then we're fine. We just got to keep growing a sanctified church, which means stay faithful. Do not let this discourage you. Um, and a second, I am a big fan of this because I would like a world where it's very easy to contrast sin from what God wants. And so as the world goes deeper and deeper into darkness, the light becomes brighter and brighter and brighter. Not because it, it was never bright, but because now it's clear. So when I go to someone and say, hey, you repent and believe, I have 50 things to show them. This is what's wrong. This is what's right. And so you can look at, at it as, woe is me, or you can look at it and say, wow, how many people are going to be saved? Because it's clear now the decision that needs to be made. You set me up, man. I appreciate it. Um, I was considering this, thinking of this verse uh, from Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. The city set in a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, put on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And we know that when the Lord came down, when Christ came, uh, they try to put, uh, uh, if you will, um, him under a basket. They try to dis uh, extinguish uh, his light from shining. Uh, they tried to mock him. Um, they tried to argue with him. They tried to debate with him. Uh, they tried to just show him off to the side and, you know, maybe he'll just go off into the fringes and um, maybe nothing will, you know, his ministry won't snowball, but, but it did. Uh, they threatened, they tried to stone him. And then eventually uh, they they beat him, they flogged him, and then they crucified him unto death. But the light of the world returned. And so now we are uh, called the light of the world, shining the light of Christ into this world in the same way that the moon reflects the light of the sun. We are to reflect the light of Christ in a dark and sinful world. Because if you light a match in a dark room, it has an effect uh, on the whole room. But if you light a match uh, on the beach in the blazing sun, nobody's going to see that match lit up. So the darker it grows, the brighter that we can shine is what I think Glenn uh, was getting at. And so uh, you don't let anyone put a basket over you to shine the light for Christ and watch out as well for making provision for the flesh so that that's not putting a basket over you to shine the light of Christ as well. Amen. Well, in, in closing, uh, there are certainly people who fall on different sides here. Um, and I think it is good to discuss, uh, not just like, hey, this is a hot topic, but I, I think it's a realistic thing that we have to consider. Where are we at as a nation for such a time as this? Um, let me call attention to some of our soul fishing prayer needs. Continue to pray for us as we go to the lost in the streets of New York City to let our lights so shine before men, uh, our local murder mill abortion clinic, that as we minister on the front lines, that God will see babies saved and souls saved as we also go to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you would uh, consider becoming one of our fishing partners for the 2023 year, fishing partners are those that God has burdened to hold the rope as we venture into the gold mine to equip the saints to reach the losses, fishers of men for the glory of God. 
you can give a one-time gift or monthly donation going to our website, soulfishingministries.org. We also have our Soul Fishing Ministry shop, which has merch that supports the ministry, which will also spark up witnessing conversations. Well, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.